Hello and welcome to Ask the Experts, a podcast from Pennington Choices, providing property surveying, consultancy and project management services to organisations nationwide. So hi everyone, um, welcome, um, welcome back to Pennington Choices um, podcast on what's new this month. This is our monthly roundup of the big issues to hit the social housing sector um, and, and wider housing sector um, covering the month of November. Um, I'm Siobhan McCoy, I'm the Head of Consultancy with Pennington Choices and joined here today by our Senior Consultant Jordan Brown. Hi Siobhan, thank you for that introduction, uh, lovely to be here. Yeah, so we've been getting um, a few of these going now over the last few months um, and it's the run up to Christmas, but it feels like it's been a bumper November. There's been a lot happened over the last few weeks um, and I'm sure you felt it as much as the rest of us have um, and probably not as much as some of our colleagues in the, uh, in the sort of the housing sector itself are actually feeling things. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just speaking to kind of uh, people around the sector and kind of what's happened and what's going on. Uh, it seems an extremely busy time for for organisations and individuals. So yeah, uh, November is a is a bumper month for us. Yeah. So I suppose it's, you know, we can't really have this month's what, what's new um, without um, acknowledging um, the, the sort of tragic events that have been covered over the last month. Um, we've had the coroner's verdict um, on the death of a, a two year, little two-year-old boy um, called Awab Ishak, who lived in a flat in Rochdale um, and unfortunately sadly passed away um, a couple of years ago. Um, we've obviously heard an awful lot um, following the coroner's in inquest verdict. Um, which is having really significant implications for the housing sector. Um, do you want to just talk us through some of what's happened since um, the, the inquest verdict on the 15th of November? Uh, yeah, um, well, obviously some immediate responses from the government. So Michael Golf's letter out to um, local authorities councils initially uh, around kind of information that he requires from them around kind of enforcement stuff that came through. Uh, followed very quickly by obviously letters to registered providers uh, uh, around kind of their obligations and kind of what they should be delivering as well. Um, good, 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 good response from from my point of view, Siobhan. It, it was good to see that kind of there was some immediate kind of reaction from the government around some of this stuff, um, given the tragic events. Um, but also following that as well was obviously the letter that came from the regulator of social housing um, and a number of key points that kind of registered providers have to provide before the uh, 19th of December um, around kind of where they're up to, policies, how they approach it, kind of what is their robustness around this. And I think given kind of what's come out through that, um, it, it's highlighted in the sector maybe some gaps for organisations and perhaps some, um, some areas of improvement that need to be addressed very quickly. Yeah, and I think it's an it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, the story has been covered extensively at both the national level um, as well as in the housing press as well. Um, you know, a lots, an awful lot's been said, um, certainly by government who recognised. I think that they were very slow to respond um, on the back of Grenfell Tower fire. Um, they've been much more quick um, it, to respond to this. We also touched last month. I think it was last month. Um, time moves so fast that Michael Gove um, was back as Secretary of State for D look um, and I think he's been really instrumental you know a certainly a, a you know a very visible figurehead for the government in terms of saying this isn't good enough um, and we're going to hold providers to account um, what sort of things you know as Michael Michael Gove said and um, what are some of the implications for housing associations on the back of this 
Well, I think the biggest one, and, and kind of uh, mentioned Rochdale before, I've uh, felt this already, is around the kind of removal of funding from kind of uh, new developments uh, and essentially it's, uh, kind of calling on housing providers to ensure that they they, they provide safe uh, homes for their customers for the residents uh, and actually why why as a government are we going to reward you in in providing you with additional funding to build more properties that, that potentially um deal with the stock that you've got now and actually look after the customers that you've got now and make sure everyone is safe within their homes um, and i think as 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 horrible as it sounds unfortunately i think at the, at the moment and it, this is not kind of a just in the housing sector, but unfortunately, money talks for, for, for providers kind of thing is with the financial times that we're in at the moment, it's a strong message to give out to housing providers and to say, get your house in order quickly. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the biggest one that's come out the back end of that, uh, Siobhan, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, and I think it's that thing, isn't it, of saying to, to providers, you need to do need to make sure you're delivering your core services yes. correctly um, and to the required standard. And I suppose it picks up on some of the messages as well that we heard following the Grenfell Tower fire, which led to when the government did the sort of national listening exercise, which then um, led to the social housing green paper, then the white paper. And now obviously we've got the social housing regulation bill that's in parliament. Um, you know, and the message really to, to providers certainly that I'm picking up is you need to make sure that you're delivering your core service as well. Um, you know, and we've also had not just the regulator of social housing then right on the back of uh, right to providers on the back of Michael Gove's letters to them um, and also to local authorities but we've also had the housing ombudsman um, right again as well um, you know certainly pushing the messages that he um, published just over a year ago um, when he published the, the outcome of the thematic review into damp and mould um, we've got a webinar that's taking place a free webinar taking place next Monday on the 12th of December um, to really sort of try and guide landlords what they need to do to be able to respond to this. Um, so that's about making sure that they can look, you know, short term what they need to do, um, because there are a number of press and matters that they need to be able to respond to the regulator on, but also more sort of medium term in terms of thinking about how are we going to address some of the underlying co root causes um, that's led to, to where we are at the minute. And I suppose what we'd say as well is that we see lots of organisations that are at different stages um, and, you know, at in different places as well um, in terms of how they need to respond to this and, and the issues that they're grappling with with their housing stock. So we'll be able to have um, a more comprehensive exploration of the issues um, in our session next week. So that's there on our website um, for everybody to sign up to um, and we'd encourage you to do so and come along and hear more about it um, next week. I think on that Siobhan as well, I think if people listening to this, uh, I would absolutely urge you as an organisation, not necessarily in response to kind of your requirements to the regulator now, but go and have a read of the spotlight on damp and mould from the Ombudsman as well. Very insightful document and um, 26 recommendations there. Uh, and actually, if you look at those recommendations, those recommendations could have been written last week uh, and they're very kind of fitting for, 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 for what has happened and where we are today, unfortunately. Um, so I would urge people kind of um, as a bit of lifetime reading, please. I think it's 57 pages, uh, but go have a look at that document because it is very insightful for organisations as a base to start from. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, thanks for that. Um, so, and 
we're you know we're ne near nearing the end of 2022 um we've got the building the implications or the introduction really of the main sort of requirements fallen from um the building safety act coming into force over the next few months um we've we've heard a little bit about that over the last month as well um obviously the grenfell tower public inquiry has closed um brought to a close after 400 days of evidence um and um I think what was quite striking really was that um, the, in the in and amongst the closing submissions that were made um, was evidence from um, the barrister acting on behalf of Kensington and Chelsea TMO um, admitting for the first time that some senior employees of that organisation had been interviewed by the police under caution um, investigating potential serious offences, um, serious breaches of health and safety legislation. Um, and that's the first, it, it's so significant because we knew that the police had interviewed around about 40 people under caution, um, but we weren't we weren't clear on who any of those people are, people were um, or which organisations they're from. I think in terms of that role, Siobhan, I think it's just a, a timely reminder kind of thing of the of the kind of not just levity of Grenfell itself kind of thing. Obviously, we know kind of the implications of that, but actually the, the position that people are within within the sector that kind of look after these. So um, individuals who have responsibility to look after their customers, tenants, residents, um, you have to look after these blocks. And we touched on building safety there and the fire regulations and that as well. Um, I think it's a timely reminder that organisations kind of um, shouldn't allow some of these services to be passive they, they have to be very active in terms of kind of dealing with them looking into them seeing where they're up to seeing what's happening uh, and we talk a lot around kind of some of the stuff that we do kind of as a consultancy around how do you know you know what you know um which is sounds a bit garbled but actually how, how do you check how do you check where you are and how do you check what's being done um and i think in terms of, of this it's just again just a, just a reminder of kind of the the, the the consequences of getting it wrong unfortunately yeah, and it's one of it's interesting that point um, because we I've delivered um, a number of sessions to some senior leaders um, and others over the last few weeks around property compliance and the importance of complying with health and safety legislation. And sometimes people forget that we've still got you know this big piece of health and safety legislation in in, in England, the Health and Safety at Work Act of 1974, yes. that places very specific obligations on senior people um, within organisations as well as the organisations themselves to make sure that they're not um, exposing anyone to unnecessary health and safety risks in the course of carrying on their business. You know, that obligation it isn't going away. Um, and it is really important that organisations have got things in place to be able to, to provide assurance that they're complying with the legislation. Um, back to conversation about Michael Gove again, um, you know, he's given evidence as well. It was actually in, um, there was a debate around the social housing bill, um, but actually gave some evidence which touched on some points relevant to building safety as well. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, apologies on there. Uh, yeah, no, and I think in terms of that, I mean, obviously he's mentioned about speaking and having a look at uh, uh, looking at the tenants' concerns around kind of peeps, pers personal evacuation plans, and that. Um, but also, I think the big one is the reminder that there was no hiding place for for uh, those trying to use economic uh, conditions and excuse to to shirt responsibilities around some of this stuff. So. Uh, he seems to be taking a, a massive aim and kind of things that came out obviously prior uh, to him in this role and then leaving it as, as well kind of thing around taking aim at developers and, and, and that side of things and making um, 
individuals who put these buildings together pay for some of this stuff. Um, they said the bill would attempt to improve um, the number of non-decent homes through greater regulation, which again, given what we've just spoken about uh, and where we are now kind of thing, there was a theme that's coming through from Michael Gold, which is, um, he said, there's no hiding place. You will provide, you will keep people safe. You will make sure that you, as you say, Siobhan, deliver your core services as you are legally obliged to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then I suppose on a linked point as well, we've had the government's published the consultation on the building safety levy over the last couple of weeks as well, um, which picks up some of those key points as well around making sure that the development um, sector pays and the construction sector pays for some of this. Um, what sort of things are they proposing in the building safety levy? So in terms of this, is is around obviously the, the the charges for for new build properties essentially for any new build properties kind of within the construction industry, um, not 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 kind of restricted to uh, social housing providers. And actually, the intention is to to build up a pot of money. Um, I can't remember the value, Siobhan. You may remind me a couple of billion said, pounds. Well, they've indicated potentially three billion pounds over the next ten years. Um, so yeah, developers of all residential buildings, regardless of their height, um, will have to pay the levy, and it will be part of the building control process. Um, is what they're proposing um, and they're actually the government's also proposed an option to alter the levy rates for different parts of the country um, yes. so I suppose coming back to some of the principles that we that we see in terms of applying um, requirements around affordable housing in certain areas where values won't necessarily support it so similar sort of um, thinking making sure that where there are there are lower rates where the land values and house um, prices are less expensive but actually what the government have also said which I think is quite positive is that affordable homes um, and certain community buildings as well um, will be exempt so that they do try and protect supply. So I suppose they're taking on some of the message around the house, housing crisis and the housing shortage we do have generally. Um, so again, we'd urge um, sort of all of our listeners to make sure that they, they have a read of that consultation and respond and make their views known um, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other big things over the last month, um, I suppose the other sort of thing that's been um, fairly significant is that we've seen um, a huge number, the regulator has published um, the outcome of their stability checks. Um, so it's the first round of those that we've seen um, for a few months, but we've had two lots of, um, of stability checks published during November, so a bumper month for them. Um, but we've seen lots of organisations being regraded from V1 to V2, interestingly not described as a downgrade now, um, very much a regrade, um, indicating that V2 is the new V1 for some organisations. What sort of things are sort of jumping out at us from that? I think it's that I think it's just showing that kind of the shift in in not just the housing sector but the economy as a whole. Uh, what was acceptable two, three, four, five years ago, kind of thing when when some of these organisations were, were graded, uh, is no longer acceptable. To kind of the the onus on organisations around things like uh, well, well, I think I'm sure we'll come to the rent cap in a minute, but we've got the rent cap that's going through there. We've got the um, all the new regulations we've talked about as well, and remedial works from fire and that kind of thing. We've got the decarbonisation stuff and the stuff around the EPCs and kind of by 2030. And um, you're in a you're in a whirlwind of um, different conflicting priorities um, at the moment within within housing, and actually, what 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 you essentially had in the bank um, earlier on that seemed viable uh, is no longer as as acceptable as it was, and actually, you need to be more viable. Um, yeah. And actually, it's it's a real interesting point from this point of view as well, because I think given the response from a lot of organisations about a V two rating hasn't necessarily been negative. I think a lot of organisations have accepted that the kind of the paradigm of kind of what is acceptable has shifted a little bit, um, and and hopefully 
probably organisations are looking to address that as well. And yeah, kind of and I think that. you know a couple of years ago, um, certainly as um, you know when we had the um, the twenty fifteen rent cuts, um, but then also the government still urging developers to or sorry RPs to continue to develop. Um, the the challenge then at that stage was if you are really sweating your equity and really making um, you know. Um, you, it, this work for you and maximising your delivery, then they would expect to see more V2s in any case. Um, so I think just the language has been interesting this time around that, you know, there doesn't seem to have been any significant blame attributed to RPs. It's more about, it's much more about the wider economic landscape out there. Um, and we've also had um, sort of hot on the tails of certainly the first round of um, regrades um, following the stability checks. We've also had the regulator publish their quarterly survey as well. Um, so this is the quarter two survey um, for 2022-23. Um, so this is where they, they survey RPs with over a thousand units um, each quarter. Um, and the idea is that it provides a regular source of, you know, update on the financial health of um, RPs, particularly around their liquidity position. Um, but there are a number of re relevant points, again, sort of picking up on some of the, the points that we've discussed already today. Um, some some headlines from there are that capitalised major repairs um, or landlords were generally forecasting that that would increase this year, um, but they're actually um, their um, performance in quarter two has been below forecast, um, although it is slightly up from quarter one, but overall they're behind where they said they would be in terms of major capitalised spend this year. It factors that they're quoting in terms of the reasons for um, for that are because works are being reprofiled um, and um, have been delayed, um, partly because of um, labour issues, partly because of supply chain issues, um, but also they're reprofiling um, to make sure that they can pick up works around building safety and decarbonisation. Um, lots of providers as well reporting delays to repairs and maintenance programmes during the quarter um, and certainly materials and labour shortages were the key factor there, but also cost increases starting to have an impact as well. Um, and um, interestingly, actually, I hadn't picked up, um, but current tenant arrears, um, whilst they've said that they're consistent with the season um, and the trend, so where we are in the year and sort of what you'd expect to see is, you know, increases going up and down and so on. Um, that overall um, current tenant arrears are up um, compared to what they would historically have been. Um, and in some areas, um, we've seen that um, void rent losses increased at the start of the pandemic um, and haven't actually improved. Um, and the sorts of areas that are being most impacted by that are supported housing units and care schemes because of wider issues around housing management staff and um, for those sorts of sectors. Um, but I think the key message coming from um, from um, that publication is the sector's being hit by inflationary pressures um, and economic uncertainty, which again sort of picks up that message. Um, so an organisation's having to reprofile expenditure to try and mitigate the impact of that. So that makes the time, you know, the, the um, government's um, announcement about the rent cap um, for next year Again, just another sort of, um, you know, um, sort of blow to organisations. Whilst I think it's it's the best option out of all three that the government consulted on, because they consulted on um, three percent, five percent, and seven percent rent cap. They've gone for seven percent. Um, it is nonetheless quite a significant um, 
at, at, at a significant, um, significantly lower rate than could have been um, received had it been CPI plus 1%, which was the formula. Um, so again, that just reinforces some of the message um, in the sector risk profile as well about the need for organisations to make sure they're managing their financial position um, and really sort of focusing in on those areas that are most important. I think in regards to that, Siobhan, as well, we we talk a lot about this I and mean, we do a lot of compliance stuff here, but actually just from a high level point of view, we talk about data, the sector risk profile picks up in this as well, actually, for organisations, for boards, for senior management teams to be able to make some of those informed decisions, you need a good bedrock of data that comes along with some of this stuff uh, and making sure that you're making the... I suppose it's the old adage of when you used to be in school, um, you might not always make the right decision, but actually if you show you're working out and you can understand how you've got there as an organisation, uh, you can always kind of make uh, changes afterwards and, and tweak through. Uh, but actually it's making sure that you you kind of understand kind of what your risks are as an organisation, what your funding is. We talked about V1 and V2 a moment ago. Uh, and being able to make an actual informed decision around your priorities as a business as well, which again, going back to the very start of this, is around making sure you're delivering your core services uh, to your customers. Absolutely. And that sort of approach of having really clear strategic objectives that set out what, what's important to you as a business, making sure that you keep people safe, but then where are your priorities from that? Um, and then having, you know, being able to make evidence-based decisions, um, you know, um, so all really, really important. Um, and I suppose just on um, record keeping and data management, we've also seen the Ombudsman um, issue um, a, a call for evidence this month as well. We have, yes. Uh, and I think, again, it goes along the lines of kind of stuff we've, we've talked about already around this as well. But um, it's about supporting their next systematic investigation. So obviously we had the, the spotlight on dampen, uh, dampen mould kind of last year, about a year ago, we said as well. And obviously the next one now is a look at that record keeping and data management from organisations. Um, I think in terms of the casework they've done, I think there's a statistic around 67% of investigations upheld during 2021 and 2022 uh, was due to poor record keeping, um, which actually is, is, is a shame for organisations because actually some of this stuff is just around evidencing and being able to deliver good services. Uh, and the fact that you're let down by kind of your data management element of it is, is, is probably upsetting for organisations. Uh, it's about though that side that case management and that process that comes through about kind of offering services and making sure you're recording what you've done, what you've got, when have you done it, uh, and making sure that you've got kind of that that easy to access data within your org. Again, to make informed decisions around things. Um, in terms of that as well, obviously they're looking at um, the data and how it's held within um, systems, how you access it, how you kind of draw it out of that system as well, and how does it inform decisions that are being made within the organisation, uh, especially around complaints and service delivery in that as well. Um, so yeah, um, that's the next one that's, that'll be coming out shortly. Yeah. Or going on shortly. Absolutely. So, and I think that just shows, you know, there's been so much has happened in the last month. We could probably keep going for another hour. Um, but it's probably time to draw it there. The idea is that people can um, listen to this when they're out um, walking the dog or getting a bit of daily exercise or on the daily commute. Um, so that's probably enough for this month. As ever, we've got lots of information about all of these um, sort of areas coming up in webinars or in training courses over the next little while. Um, so please do check out our website, find out what we've got available. Um, if we've got free resources available on online, um, please do help yourselves to, to them. Um, if we can help in any way, then please just let us know. Um, or if there are particular things that you're interested in hearing more about from us, then again, let us know and we'll be happy to help. Um, so we'll see you again um, next month um, to give you a roundup on what's what, what's new in December. Um, 
but obviously we'll be meeting again for that or coming back um, to record that in early January. So on behalf of all at Pennington Choices, we'd just like to wish all our listeners um, a very happy Christmas. I can't quite believe I'm saying those words. I'm not sure where this year's gone, um, but we wish everyone all the best um, and have a happy and safe Christmas. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to speak to one of our in-house experts, please get in touch either via our website or across our social media pages. Pennington Choices. Our expertise. Your solution.